As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Friday in the offseason of college football and we need to have some of those offseason conversations I think I think we got a good one today because joining us is Scott Dockerman from The Athletic he covers Iowa for us he's covered Iowa and the Big Ten for a long time and he had a really interesting column that ranked all of the the Big Ten football coaching hires so 40 of them since Kirk Ferentz and Kirk Ferentz is also included. So, so basically all of them since 1999. And it is, it's a very fascinating list and uh, a little bit of newsworthiness to it because one of the guys who made three of the hires and also one of the guys who was outgoing for one of the hires is Barry Alvarez, who retired this week at Wisconsin. So, Scott, how, uh, how much fun w- was this list to put together and uh, how much – anger have you gotten because it's been out for a few days i mean how how many people are you got pat fitzgerald too low or kirk ferentz shouldn't be up there what 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 are you most getting roasted for oh thanks for having me on and yeah you can expect it, it's one of those things where how many times do you want to dip your toe into the the comment section uh you know just so you can you know get a pie thrown in your face and <laughs> i would say uh, this has been a really interesting experience because I, I went through, as you said, you know, 22 years worth of Big Ten hires, and I think once you get past the middle teens, there's such a drop off, and and I think a lot of the blowback I've gotten are, re- relate more to the polarizing coaches of the era, Jim Harbaugh. You look at his statistics. I mean, you know, 49 and uh, 49 and 22 in the Big Ten, 30 or 34 and 16 in the Big Ten. Uh, he's had the numbers to re- put him in the top 10 without any problems, but he hasn't done the two things that you're required to do at Michigan beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten title. So that always well, and, pushes and, him down. And, and there's a curve to it, too, right? You, success at Northwestern mm-hmm. equals more than success at Michigan because you're supposed to win at Michigan. You're not supposed to win at Northwestern, although Pat Fitzgerald has made it where he kind of is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at numbers three through 
five, uh, Mark D'Antonio, Kirk Ferentz, and uh, Pat Fitzgerald, none of them are at that blue blood level, but they're able to compete at a blue blood level you know, outside of Ohio State, which is now far and away the flagship institution of the Big Ten. So uh, the fact that you know, D'Antonio was able to, to win three Big Ten titles and, and win a divi- another division title um, over a short period of time. Kirk Ferentz has seven top 15 finishes, all with different quarterbacks. Northwestern is the it, it has more disadvantages than any other team in the league uh, location, uh, you know, size of stadium, the, the recruiting base. The, the entrance exams, the history, and yet Pat Fitzgerald year in and year out has them, for the most part, sometimes they dip, but has them competitive and winning West Division titles. I think that is, those are bigger accomplishments than strictly win-loss record that, that Harbaugh's compiled. And, you know, another one in that category to some extent is Brady Hoke. Um, you know, Brady Hoke, uh, 31 and 20, that's better than Tom Allen. That's better than PJ Fleck. Yet, uh, you know, Brady Hoke didn't do what he was it's also to. not in Indiana. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, the, the one that, that jumped out at me that I thought was interesting. And this, this almost feels like twisting the knife. You have Scott Frost at number 27 and Mike Riley at number 28. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I went around and round and I talked to our colleague Mitch Sherman about this because I followed Nebraska very closely since they've joined the big 10 and, you can make the case that Mike Riley's had a more successful career. He has a better record. He actually had a nine-win season. They were in the top ten at one point uh, before they completely, f- you know, flew down and fell out. But that, that may have been a function of schedule, more than right? Anything else. Yeah, it was too, no doubt. Because I saw him that year also lose forty to ten in the, in the season finale. But uh, but he's also the one that put that that blew up. Nebraska that put them in the crater that they were uh, that went four and eight. And I think they allowed five or six of their last opponents to score 50 plus points. And Scott Frost is trying to dig out of that. And uh, if you go with hires, if you even use that as a criteria, which I really didn't, but if you think about it, Scott Frost was a home run hire at the time. He was one of the most highly sought after coaches he had a perfect season. You know, they won a quote unquote national championship in their eyes at Central Florida. And then next thing you know, he goes to, to Nebraska and they felt like they felt good about themselves. Now that has not translated well at all, but I still think he's had a little bit better run than Mike Riley because that last year there, they were, it, they were like ice under a Zamboni. It was terrible. Oh. <laughs> well, I, so we're going to get to Barry Alvarez in a bit because I, I, I find his tenure fascinating uh, in terms of trying to hire the next best version of Barry. <laughs> and, and I think yeah. finally it, it, doing very well and succeeding ultimately at that. But you, your number one and number two interests me because it's, a, it's one of those hypotheticals that I think back to pretty frequently that I, mm-hmm. I just I wonder how things might have been different had this situation been different. So your number one is Urban Meyer at Ohio State and your number two is Jim Trestle at Ohio State. Now, the, the thing I always wonder about, Scott, is what if Jim Trestle never replies to Chris Cicero's email? For mm-hmm. those who don't remember, that's what got Jim Trestle run out at Ohio State. It wasn't the tattoo thing. It was that he was told about it. He acknowledged that he was told about it via email, but then they didn't do anything about it. And then when the NCAA investigators asked him about it, he lied to them. That's what got him run out. Mm -hmm. If he had just said, 
I never, I didn't know about this, and there was no proof that he did. He's fine. He's st- he might still be the coach there. Yeah. He might not be a university president right now. But what I wonder is, would Ohio State be as good as it is? Because mm. I don't think it would. No, you're right. You watch those games and those championship games in 2006 and 2007, and and even when they lost to Texas in the Fiesta Bowl in 08. There was a talent gap at Ohio State versus the other other upper echelon teams in the country. And Ohio State, for what it was in when he got there, sure, he's an excellent coach. He has them fundamentally sound, disciplined, tough, but speed factor was not there. Ohio State had great players, but not enough of them. And they certainly couldn't cover the field against you know, the, the SEC speed per se. And so I don't see them winning a national title. Maybe they get to a, a BCS championship game. Maybe they get to a college football playoff, but they're not beating Alabama in 2014. They're not going undefeated. Uh, they maybe even lose to Michigan, dare I say, once <laughs> over the last yeah. 10 years if he's there. I uh, See, I, that's where I think, I think Harbaugh Trestle as a Michigan-Ohio State matchup is probably a pretty fun, more even matchup. Maybe Ohio State still has the edge, mm-hmm. but you know, 2015 and 2016, when when yeah. Harbaugh comes in like a ball of fire, I think there, there's more of a shot for for Harbaugh and Michigan to win those. But that's and and the and the question is where would Urban Meyer end up? Because I, I was under the impression before the Sandusky stuff went down mm-hmm. that. Urban was looking at Penn State, that he was considering maybe replacing Joe Paterno at Penn State. But then after that, and then and then also at that point, Trestle had happened because, you know, that year that Urban Meyer is doing TV, the Trestle stuff happens over the summer. Mm-hmm. But as he's kind of plotting his next move, you don't know exactly what's going to happen at Ohio State yet. So does he do that? Does he stay in TV and wait for the USC job to open, which happened I, th- I believe in 2013. So it, it, it's interesting to, to think about how those things, like would Mac Brown have stepped aside gracefully if Urban Meyer was coming in at Texas? Cause that might've happened. Yeah. He was kind of like at that point, I don't know if you remember, but he was like Jimmy Johnson after he left the Cowboys and, yeah. and Don Shula was kind of waiting there. Everybody wanted Jimmy to take over for Don Shula with the dolphins. And, uh, and that's kind of the way I felt like with Urban Meyer at that point, which was he won two national titles with Florida. He was the big fish out there. Somebody wanted him. And it turned out to be the most perfect situation for him to go back to his home state. They needed him. The Big Ten needed him because we'd seen that decline. And there's a lot of pride in the Big Ten, just as much as there is in the SEC. And, you know, those two regions of, uh, you know, kind of prided themselves against one another for you know, several hundred years, but, but really what he was able to do and it rankled feathers right away, but it was necessary was to tell everybody in the big 10, you're not recruiting well enough. You need he to blew up the gentleman's agreement. Yes. Remember Brett Bielema complaining about the gentleman's agreement. That exactly. You're not supposed to recruit committed players at urban Myers. Like I've been in the sec home slices. Yeah. This yeah. is what they do. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I look at that as, is kind of a, as uh, a league where everybody kind of crosses their legs and they get their coffee out and let's sit around and talk. And, you know, and, and, and that's the way it was before that. And he walked in and it's like, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. And we need to be better. And boom, they put together a team in 2014 and 15 that could compete against anybody. And they did. Yeah. Um, and everybody had to change to get better. 
Michigan obviously said we can't we can't live with Brady Hoke anymore. And they got Harbaugh. Harbaugh hasn't been able to catch up, but at least they made that move. Uh, you know, with Penn State, it was a different situation, but they went out and got James Franklin, who's been really important. You've seen teams like well, uh, and, and you have James Franklin ranked pretty high. Yeah. And and I, I I'm with you because he took over a really tough situation. And and Bill O'Brien. For everything everybody says about Bill O'Brien as a Texas co- Texans coach, he did a very good job at Penn State stabilizing that situation. That still doesn't mean it was good no. when James Franklin showed up. The, the, the sanctions hadn't been, hadn't been rolled back yet. Mm-hmm. And so he takes the job, and within two years, he's winning a much, much better Big Ten than anybody had seen in the previous 10 years. Without a doubt, uh, you know, Bill O'Brien, nobody could have done what he did and be that bridge in 2012. I think it was, it, it, even though they were eight and four, that was maybe the most difficult gig that anybody's ever had in the Big Ten. And he was able to do it and do it successfully to bridge to James Franklin to also bring that that killer spirit recruiting wise and, and bravado that needed to happen at Penn state too, because it would kind of been languishing in the late end of the paternal era. But, you know, that's what everything urban brought was it forced the blue bloods to make big hires. It also forced teams like Wisconsin to go to a three, four, which it did under Dave Aranda. And that, and that took their defense, but from being very good to elite. It forced Iowa to go from uh, being a 4-3 with a, a 230-pound outside linebacker to a 4-2-5, and now it's one of the best defenses in the country. Why? Because it needs to cover people like Ohio State has, and it's changed the context of offense. So he is the biggest change agent in the Big Ten since Hayden Fry was there in the early wow. 80s and broke up the Michigan-Ohio State um, you know, cartel. And so and, it, and probably more so because he's winning, he won national titles and uh, outside of a few really inexplicable, crazy road losses was unbeatable, frankly, in that league. So to your point, Trestle would, would have been still be number one, but I think you could have debates to say is winning a national title once at Ohio State. Uh, bigger than what D'Antonio did, bigger than what Ference did, or, you know, because some of those other coaches might have actually won a couple of titles, Big Ten titles well, at least. And, and D'Antonio, I feel like D'Antonio and Bielema kept the league afloat the rest of the league. Obviously, Trestle was doing what he's doing at Ohio State. They are achieving at a very high level, but they, they have just all the natural advantages. But it, it, it did feel like D'Antonio and Bielema kept the rest of the league relevant during that period. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Um, you know, that first championship game in 2011 was as fun of a game to ever watch. I mean, it went back and forth, came down to the very end. And, and you know, if Michigan State hadn't roughed the punter, they would have won and well, went on. And remember, the, the regular season game between those two yes. that year was pretty freaking awesome, too. <laughs> yes. Hail Mary. I mean, it was, it was an incredible run. Uh, we always kind of joke in this part of the world that Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Iowa are three polar bears fighting over the same sheet of ice because they recruit the same players. They play the same styles. They, when they play, it's just a nasty fist fight and really physical. But, but when you look at, at D'Antonio, I think, you know, those, those two years, but especially 2013, which was the year Florida mm-hmm. state and Auburn played and they beat the, they beat the shit out of Ohio state in that championship game. I mean, they really it, took it. It to was, them. it was incredible because nobody. Nobody thought they could do that. Now, mm-hmm. they, they would go and do that again in 2015 to a yeah. team that was probably even more talented. Yeah. But, yeah, the, the, the way they won. And I think that win 
forced Urban Meyer to to raise his game. Yes, I, I think that that was him going. Okay, I I can't just walk over this league. They're, these guys are are going to fight back. Yes, his defenses really set him apart. And that thirteen team, they won all ten. Big 10 games, including the championship, by more than double figures. And I think there is a case to be made that maybe they actually deserved the uh, the, the berth in the BCS championship game that year because they went in on and, and won the Rose Bowl. They beat Stanford in that incredible fourth down. And <laughs> I mean, that is big boy football at its finest, uh, that play. And, uh, you know, where they gave it to the up back. And I think it was Ellsworth who ran over, jumped over the pile and stuffed him for one yard loss. And then in 15, the, the Iowa-Michigan State game was, uh, you know, 22 play drive at the end. That, that drive, a, and mm-hmm. that was that was just bring a tear to the eye of of the longtime Big Ten fans. And, yes, you know, as as they're being dragged <laughs> into this modern era, yes. they get this one beautiful moment <laughs> where you see a 22 play drive for the the team that that was now Michigan State had one loss, Iowa yeah. was undefeated, and then un, unfortunately it it goes to get you know win the right to get destroyed by Alabama but <laughs> or Stanford <laughs> you, you get you, you get you get the beautiful you get the beautiful yeah. the beautiful moment and then modern football comes back and says nah too bad <laughs> yeah so exactly you get Derrick Henry for Michigan State you get Christian McCaffrey for Iowa and both teams right. are going hey come on we 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 like big boy football but but you know and that's well, where Stanford, that if there's Stanford played big boy football too so that's yeah, that's not right. a totally unfair comparison looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24/7 US based live customer service from Discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It's it is amazing though the the D'Antonio and and Ference and and Bielema slash Paul Chris that mm. that style of football has survived and that's really the only place it survived. Yeah, really. And D'Antonio had less success later on. I think once that once Michigan uh, you know established itself at least as a competitive program again under Harbaugh that they started getting those recruits. Franklin started taking those recruits. Same thing with, you know, Urban. And it went down a little bit at Michigan State. And so you saw some um, blips. You know, they went three and nine a year and and, and really some, some surprising seasons. The Big Ten West is really where that style of play resides uh, simply and because, you know, talent isn't the number one factor there like it is everywhere else. Yeah, well, and yeah. I find it interesting because the Big Ten West also has Northwestern, and we always look at Northwestern as kind of the plucky, you know, academic school. But but Northwestern was always on the cutting edge, offensively. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, yeah. they were back to the turn of this century. They mm -hmm. were on the cutting edge offensively. They, and, and now the, the, they hit a dip in their offense. Their defense has been carrying them of late, but they're going to get better offensively now that they've, they've made some changes. But that's, that's the interesting thing is you had that, that dichotomy within the division, mm -hmm. although that wasn't the division. Yeah. Because yeah. It, you know, you had leaders and legends to start with and you had to figure out the M's and the N's. And yeah. I mean, this is you think about think about all the stuff that's happened since Kurt Ferentz took over at Iowa. You know, the, the addition of three different schools uh, splitting into divisions two different ways. Uh, Jim Delaney is no longer the commissioner, which is yeah. a pretty big deal. The, the new commissioner having maybe the worst first year ever. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is. And, and here's Kirk Ferentz, who. You know, it was looking pretty dicey for Kirk Ferentz about this time last year. Yeah, and it was. so he he jettisons Chris Doyle, mm -hmm. but it seems, at least from reading the report, where they interviewed a whole lot of stakeholders in the Iowa program, players, parents, you, you name it, that Kirk Ferentz came out okay on that. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I didn't know that he'd be willing to make the amount of changes that he's made. Yeah. That's been the key factor is his humility, his humility, I think is probably what sets him apart from most coaches because he's willing at that point to look inward. And the very first day he described it as very tough, but he called anybody and everybody who had played for him, who knew him uh, black, white, um, but just, Hey, tell me what you think. And I don't care what it is. I need to know it, even if it hurts. And the, he got a lot of information that, yeah, it, it wounded him, but he also realized, and he told me this directly uh, right after it happened, after everything settled was I had two choices. I'm old enough. I could retire. I could sit there and go, right. okay, I had a great yeah, he career. Could, he could build a castle in Iowa city and, and, Exactly. Yeah, he's he has one really deep moat if he wanted to. <laughs> exactly. So. Right. Uh, but he's like, or I can make things better and right. And that's what I chose to do. And, and that's kind of the way he's been. I mean, he walked in his first year at Iowa, he was 0 and 8 in the big 10, four years later, he's eight. No, uh, he wants, he's a fixer. He's a builder. He wants to make things better. He does. He does have a lot of support from people and through God, hundreds of conversations on and off record last year, that was one of the key factors that everybody kind of told me uh, that even people who were angry and upset and wanted change, they believed he was capable of doing it and he was a good guy. They weren't that way about Doyle and a few other coaches, even the few assistants who stayed, but they were about him and he deserved the right to change it, even if they're skeptical it could. Well, he did. He looked inward. He made changes. He and the players and their parents who I check in with on a frequent basis, just to make sure we're not missing anything. all say it's so much better now because they feel like they could be themselves. And that was something he wanted to be the militaristic guy. And he was, it wasn't the style anymore. And he needed to make that change. And he did. And, and last year, by the end of the year in the big 10, you know, they, they were pretty good. They, they were as good as they've been in a long time. Yeah, and I thought that was interesting because they, they start off with the two kind of fluky losses and then you kind of see what they are and they're very consistent the rest of the way. I, I was interested to see, you know, they were supposed to play Michigan that final week. That mm -hmm. would have been pretty interesting comparison. Uh, but I, I just, I, I wonder 
thinking back on, on the changes they made and, and the stuff that was going on that, that caused the problems in the first place, how many recruits did they miss out on because there was bad word of mouth about the program? I, there are some. And, and really, their, their biggest rival in recruiting is prob- was probably Michigan State with D'Antonio. And there were, right. was some bad blood over the years because they both re- sh- uh, recruit Chicago and the suburbs really, really hard. And, and so that was being used against him. There was one program in the West that said, we will not use this against you. Others did. Uh, but I think the biggest problem Iowa had was, and I, I'm sure you probably from 30,000 feet saw kind of at times a very stale program, nothing, you know, kind of bland. They're seven and five. They'd win games. They should, they lose game other games. And that was kind of in the early part of the decade. And a lot of that, what I wondered was they would recruit good players, but then they would leave. And there was so much, and this is, was kind of Chris Doyle. He would put so much equity into the players that worked hard in the weight room. And a lot of times those were the try hard guys and they would get the start because it was his, his word was so outside outsized that it's like, Oh, okay. Well, if this guy is really busting ass in the weight room that he's, you know, his hard work trumps that guy's talent. That guy with talent would leave. And then they would have the, the try hard, do everything right. But he's not, he's not covering Saquon Barkley in the flat as the week. Well, exactly. You, you, you know who, you know, who always said and this, I, as long as I've covered him, who always said the try hard guys are nice, but I'll take the five stars mm-hmm. was Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's, exactly. He, he appreciated there's a place for the try hard guys in the program, but he he'll still take Percy Harvin. Yes. You know, he'll still still take Zeke Elliott. Those are those are the guys you need to win titles. So that, that I did wonder about that with Iowa, but let's let's talk about fixers who used to, another mm-hmm. fixer who used to work for Hayden Fry. Yeah. And that's Barry Alvarez. He he goes to to Wisconsin, uh, revives that program in the 90s. Uh, if you haven't read Jesse Temple's story mm-hmm. about the, the untold stories of, of Barry Alvarez's tenure at Wisconsin, please go read it. It's on the athletic. Uh, it is a wonderful kind of encapsulation of who mm-hmm. this guy, and he's, I mean, he's just, he's a character. The, the one that stuck with me, Scott, was the second year. They're five and five going to the last game, and they lose on a, it's just a crushing yeah. loss. They fumble and, and lose the ball, and, and, and the game's over. And so they were going to go to a bowl game, but now they're not. And Barry is, is just furious in the locker room, but he hasn't talked to the players yet. This is just sort of privately. And then he goes to address the players and he's not furious anymore. And he says, you seniors, I'm sorry, but when we go to the Rose bowl, you're all getting watches. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's the thing. Like you knew that this guy knew mm-hmm. he could make this happen. He could make it work. He, he's, uh, he's the biggest swaying guy walking in the room anywhere he goes, (laughs) Right, you know, you know, when he's in there, he kind of carries himself that way. I mean, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, sandals without socks and, you know, big 10 media days, just, I I realize it's a big, maybe this is a big 10 thing. You're not supposed to wear sandals with socks, Scott. (laughs) That's bad. Yeah. But he's uh, in his seventies. Take it, take it from down here in sandal country. You Man. don't wear socks with them. <laughs> I would, I would blind people if I wore sandals. <laughs> I, I, so, but my, but uh, you know, but, that was the thing with Barry. He was just, he walked in, he was a presence. He was a present. He, he liked himself, you know, it. you know it, but, yeah. but how many people 
could legitimately transfer from being a Hall of Fame coach with his resume to be in the AD and hiring people that continue your success in the same manner and not get ego in the way. That was well, impressive. And, and, but how, how many ADs say do it like I did if they're ex-coaches and it actually works? Mm -hmm. Like that, that's the other thing that's crazy. Like you only listen to Barry because it worked. Yeah. Like usually if you're the coach, you don't listen to the AD when they're like in my day, but <laughs> everything Barry did still worked. Exactly. So I, I just think, I think it's what he did as the coach was one of the best jobs of establishing an identity for a program that anybody's mm -hmm. ever done. Mm -hmm. What he did as an AD was one of the best jobs of continuing that identity without, without regular, like, because everybody, everybody eventually says I, I can do better. Like mm -hmm. I, I, and this is the big 10 folks probably don't remember this at all, but when Georgia Southern back when they were still in the FCS mm -hmm. hired Brian Van Gorder and he's like, I'm not going to do that stupid triple option stuff. Like, no, you're yeah. Georgia Southern. You run the triple option. It's what you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's what Barry, he created this, this, identity that, that allows Wisconsin to be competitive year after year and then found people who are willing to recruit to that identity and coach that identity. And to his credit, two out of the three coaches he hired were assistants for him and understood it. They're from that part of the world. So they knew how to translate it. Bielema, you know, what kind of, what kind of a, you know, breeding ground did he come from? I mean, he played for Fry, he coached with Fry and Ference, Bill Snyder, Barry Alvarez, and then becomes the head coach. So he's got a mix of all of that. And he understood what worked, still used the, the big power O, pin and pull, you know, he, he had big running backs, the works. And then, you know, Gary Anderson was kind of a weird little hiccup in the middle uh, because he, but he actually changed the defense and Paul Christ to his credit. And, I mean, he doesn't, I, I know he has an ego, but he doesn't show it because here he is with Barry over his shoulder and he's really unassuming, but then he's also willing to say, you know what, we're not going to go back to that four, three, we're going to use the three, four. And what we've seen is such a better defense. And that's all, you know, even though the scheme is different, but it's, it really goes back to Barry about playing great defense, run fits, well, it, all it, those things. It, it also fits into what they have to do, mm -hmm. you know, uh, to have a really good even front defense, you have to be able to recruit certain types mm -hmm. like that Clemson 2018 defensive line. Right. Like you have to be able to recruit that to win national titles running an even front defense. And in Wisconsin, you're never going to be able like you will never be able to get consistently the, the six foot five, 265 pound lightning fast defensive end mm -hmm. or the uh, the the six, three, 295 pound cat quick three technique like you're just not always going to have that guy with the with a with an odd front you can mix and match quite a bit more you can find a tweener who can rush the passer uh you can you can disguise where that fourth rusher is coming from and i think you've seen that with with the aranda defenses and with mm -hmm. jim leonard since he's been there yeah and the the other factor is again kind of that three polar bears one sheet of ice iowa and, and michigan state under d'antonio they were four three that's how they recruited. They always fought over the same players. This blew it up to where let's just get guys who control the line of scrimmage and two gap and as a as a thirty front, and then they get you know ass kickers on the edge. You know three four guys who uh, they there's no spot for in Iowa's defense or Michigan State's defense for a 
six, four, 235 pound guy, because you're not going to play him in space and you're going to, but in their case, they're going to put him off the edge because he's not big enough to play a, you know, a, a strong end for, for either one of those other teams. And lo and behold, they have been so much better. And, and, you know, Joe Schobert, I mean, the list goes on and TJ Watt, you know, and, and JJ was a great four, three end, but he probably would have been an even better monster as the three, four end uh, with the back. Well, yeah. Cause he was, he's athletic enough to be that yeah. mm-hmm. at, even at his size. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting just how well they've been able to do that. And, and the Gary Anderson thing is the weird hiccup that you know, I don't necessarily put that on Barry mm-hmm. because Anderson decided he wanted to go back to the West coast. He, yeah. he had issues with, with various things, um, which one of the issues was the same thing that chase Bielam off, which was paying assistance, that sort of thing. Yeah. It does seem like they've gotten better on that front. I mean, th- nobody in the big 10 can pry- cry poor anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that's not that that doesn't even wash because everybody in the Big Ten makes a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's why you see even mid to low level programs like Jeff Brom paying five million bucks. A, you know, I mean, Purdue paying Jeff Brom five million bucks a year. But yeah, that was a big factor was paying assistance. But even more was, you know, Wisconsin has rigid academic standards and how it, it brings in players. And, you know, Gary Anderson did a really nice job competing against Bielema when he was the coach at Ohio or at Utah state. And that's what endeared him to, to, to uh, Barry. And, and then Barry kind of wanted him to stay within the, the box that worked and he did. Uh, but, you know, two years in, you know, he makes that, that move. And, you know, right after they got pounded 59 to nothing, but <laughs> by Ohio state, but, but uh, you know, Paul Christ would have been that higher had he not left for Pittsburgh as the head coach. So it would have been an, a smooth, transition to Paul Christ. And then it was after a two-year blip, but I think that that was probably the the factor why there wasn't a, a continuation. And, and then Paul's done a, a remarkable job and uh, you know, of, of maintaining it because there's ease, you could see different parts where things could dip permanently and he's never allowed it to happen. One of the all-time great closing lines was Barry Alvarez's press conference announcing his retirement the other day. If anybody needs me to come back to coach a bowl game, I'm available. <laughs> Which is, I mean, Cause that was always the thing is, Oh, Barry just wants to be the coach again. Barry just, yeah. and then Anderson leaves and Barry gets to be the coach again and yeah. wins a bowl game. <laughs> yes. It's the best. Yeah. That he, he, you know, cause he did that with Brett left after they beat uh, Nebraska what, 70 to 31 in the Big Ten yeah. t- title game. Uh, Brett leaves for Arkansas. And he goes in and coaches the Rose Bowl. And, you know, Wisconsin's not even ranked because they were the third best team in the leaders division that year because uh, Ohio State and Penn State were ineligible. And he goes out there, they lose a close game. He loved being on the sidelines, loved being buried for that one game. And then, but then getting that chance in that 14 game. And that was, is is important. I think the Ohio State Alabama game uh, in the semifinals that year was the most important game in the Big Ten uh, in twenty plus years, and probably throughout this whole duration. If I made a yeah. games, but I think a runner up or a footnote that's important was the Wisconsin Auburn game that Barry won, because I know Urban has said that before when he saw that Wisconsin could beat Auburn, he went, "Okay, we have a chance here against Bama." And, uh, you know, Melvin Gordon had a great game as always, but that was important to kind of solidifying the big 10, the next phase where, Hey, this isn't, this isn't a laughing stock 
old fashioned league here. This isn't the Spanish empire, you know, in the Spanish American war getting knocked off for good. <laughs> well, I also don't think that now that Barry's gone, that like Paul Chris isn't going to suddenly shift to run in the air raid. No, like, <laughs> no, that, that identity has been said. I think, I, I think everybody understands now that's what works there. Now that may have to change. And, and as you've talked about, it did change defensively. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the offense has to change as the years go on. But I, I do think Chris understands it well enough that they're not going to do anything radical, drastic. I mean, this, this team wasn't in the Big Ten at the time, but it has affected it since it's been in the Big Ten. The, the, the switch from Frank Solich to Bill Callahan at Nebraska, where you basically abandoned all that made you special. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just, you can't do that. You, mm-hmm. you have to be very careful because when you have something that works, you can't throw it out, you know, baby in the bathwater. You, right. you have to preserve some of that. And so I think Wisconsin's done a great job of that. Yeah, and I think the, the identity part, and if there are three programs that know what they are and they'll never change from that, it's Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Iowa because they have their solidified head coaches. They understand their recruiting region, and that is – in the upper Midwest, it's easier to go find six, five, 300 pounds and, and mm-hmm. use that to your advantage rather than find four, three speed. You just don't find it very regularly. Nebraska has not been able to um, compete at a line of scrimmage level with those teams. That's why Iowa's beaten them six times in a row, Wisconsin eight times in a row that they've, other than a win against Purdue, they had, they've lost their last most recent game against every West division team. They have no identity. That's the problem with Nebraska. If they went back and said, let's make our primary tenets to solidify the offensive line, play kick-ass run defense, and then worry about whether you run zone read or pro style, you know, that's secondary, just, block people and tackle them and force them to move. That's all they have to do. And then I tell that to Nebraska fans all the time. Look, you don't have to aspire to be Wisconsin or Iowa, but you have to compete with them along the line of scrimmage or you're going to be where you are. And that's, that has not changed under the Riley Frost era. Right. And, and those are all still players you can find, but you have to develop them. You can't, you can't plug them and play them. There's, there's not going to be a bunch of guys like that that you can bring in as true freshmen that are going to make a difference. You're, you're going to, they're going to have to be in your program for a while and, and work there, which is interesting because like that wasn't what Scott Frost mm-hmm. dealt with at Oregon. Yeah. That wasn't what Scott Frost dealt with it at UCF. This is a different, just a different environment. Now Scott Frost obviously knows it because he's been there, but it's, it, it is interesting how much people forget that you cannot just plug and play the big guys. Yeah. Unless unless you're recruiting down, down South and recruiting really well down South. Those, mm-hmm. those are the only times you're getting ready to play defensive tackles and ready to play offensive guards and offensive tackles. Just otherwise you gotta, you gotta work on it. Yeah. No, where, no matter where you live in this part of the world, you're not going to find Derek Brown. You're not going to find uh, you know, uh, Landon Dickerson off the street. You know, you can make them, you can make players that good, but it takes time. And, uh, you know, and then when you're going against kind of diverse blocking schemes, I mean, Wisconsin's, you know, pin and pull gap style is really difficult if you don't know your technique, if you don't watch it, if you're not disciplined every single down. Iowa's, uh, you know, zone scheme. Also, also, forget the discipline part on on Wisconsin. I yeah. mean, you just have to be willing to get dump trucked a bunch. Yeah. 
and understand that that's that's your job as a D lineman. Yeah. In, in, and you got to try to try to stalemate and let that linebacker make a play. And exactly. it's it's really hard. It's really <laughs> hard to tell somebody, listen, yeah. you're not going to get any glory this game. You're just going to get the crap kicked out of you. But hopefully you get the crap kicked out of you slowly enough mm. that the linebackers can come up and make the tackle. Exactly. So, yeah. I, it's it's something now I, I want to ask you this about Iowa because they do have a very defined identity and obviously Kirk Ferentz has been the architect of that he's not going to coach forever mm-hmm. you know, we, the, the the start of your list is his hire in 1999 he is the longest tenured head coach and what's crazy is he's been the longest tenured head coach since Bob Stoops retired four years ago mm-hmm. <laughs> so the, the gap just keeps growing mm-hmm. but do you think when he does hang it up that Iowa hangs on to that identity. I don't think it's as, I, I don't think there's as much of a baton handoff as there is with Wisconsin and Barry to, to be to Christ on down, because it really depends on who replaces him. And I don't know that there is somebody on staff that will take that baton immediately. You know, Brian Ferentz has always been discussed as a, a successor, but it's re, he's really kind of a polarizing figure. And some of, and that's just all along, you know, Hey, he's, he's Ferentz's kid. So uh, he's a, he's been developing as an offensive coordinator, but can he take it? And Kirk said last summer to me, look, I don't know if that he really wants it. And some of his best assistants, Phil Parker, especially who I think is really undervalued. Um, he, I, he doesn't really want to be a head coach. He's, he's kind of figured out is the Peter principle. I like coaching people. I don't like being a CEO. And so some of the older assistants aren't really there. So I think where they go is probably somebody who understands the landscape of Iowa and the style that wins. I don't think they're going to say, hey, let's go out and, and get Rich Rodriguez and have him run his style of offense at Iowa. That's, that's a disaster. But I think it's somebody who understands, look, it's going to be line of scrimmage football. Maybe they switch from the, the zone blocking, you know, I'm going to race you to this spot. And then when I get there, I'm going to bury you and put, you know, <laughs> you know, every single ounce of body on, on your chest uh, versus it might be more gap Scott style, or maybe it might be, uh, you know, an 11 personnel more often than, than not. But I don't think that they'll ever get away from what makes this area work. Cause if they don't, because if they do, if they try to get to a pass heavy scheme that relies on, um, a lot of misdirection or, or, you know, receivers, then you're going to get what you got with Greg Davis, which was just the most horrific combination of offenses that you'll ever see. So basically what you're saying is they're going to hire Matt Campbell. I, I only, <laughs> I only say that just to tick off the Iowa state fans. Cause they're always mad. Cause I'm saying Matt Campbell is going to leave. He's going to go somewhere else. Don't, he's not leaving to go to Iowa. No, Don't worry. That, that one won't happen, but no, he, I could. Yeah, that would, that would rock the world here. That, there's no, no doubt about that. <laughs> no, I, I, but it is, it is interesting because it, you're right. The, the identity is so thoroughly defined the idea of, of somebody else doing it. You know, would they change and, and would that work? I, I think they've, because we're talking when we talk about Wisconsin and Northwestern and Iowa, we're talking about programs near their ceilings almost all the time. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's not it's not the same as like when we say Auburn underachieves. Mm-hmm. Like if Auburn underachieves, it's because we we know they can bring in the kind of talent that allows them to compete for national titles. 
But these these programs, if they're competing for a national title, it's because there's a really special set of circumstances. And they, they've had this just probably an unbelievable recruiting class four years ago and and this, this amazing set of seniors. And, and then they've recruited really well beneath them. It's not the same at the traditional like the, the perennial national title contenders aren't like that. They, they just go get some guys and yeah. when they get the right chemistry, they win. And so I, I, I think that's what's interesting is to think how risky it is when you do have to make a hire at a place like that, because you can't, you can't, you you run the risk of losing what makes you special Mm -hmm. and you have to be very careful with that. So we will, we'll see what happens, but uh, you know, Kirk Ferentz still, still humming along at Iowa and, uh, and Paul Chris carrying the Barry torch for (laughs) quite a bit longer at Wisconsin. So yeah, Scott, thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, it's been fun. I, I, I always like talking offensive line football. So, uh, I like, Oh, them, absolutely. What, that's what, what, what beers are we cracking on, on a Friday night, by the way, I've got uh, two in my fridge, you know, I've got the, uh, the pull cap Porter, which is from back pocket brewing here in town. And, uh, or big Grove, I should say. And that's, uh, and, and that's named after the play. I don't know if you saw this, uh, the Ohio state, Iowa game four years ago where Ohio, oh, yeah you know, shock the world. Well, the, the fake field goal where the, uh, the, the, the snapper caught the ball and then tripped up at the one yard line. Well, that, that fake field goal was called Polecat. So then they named this beer, the, the nice. Polecat Porter. So I do have that in my fridge and, and I have a few spotted cows left too. So, uh, for my last well, trip, you can to have Wisconsin. one in honor of Barry Alvarez. I will. And, uh, <laughs> I always do. I like that. <laughs> I, I like, I, I like the the porters and the and the stouts. I'm a big dark fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think I think for me the the new discovery has been uh, Oyster City Hooter Brown, which is a uh, mm. is a brown ale out of uh, Apalachicola, Florida. Apalachicola, where uh, where they get the oysters in the yeah. Gulf of Mexico. There's a, a very famous restaurant called Boss Oyster where you go and they'll make oysters at 18 billion different ways there. But yeah, they make, they make a really good brown ale and they also have a mango pale ale called mangrove that's really good so nice. uh, if you are in the grocery store if you're in a if you're in a high v in iowa mm-hmm. or if you're in a Publix in in florida you can pick yourself up some of that i'm gonna have to i'll have to give that a shot now now that we've got deck weather in iowa that's it's finally exactly here right. <laughs> you know not 35 right. so oh well, i, I don't <laughs> want to think about that yeah we're, we're we're going we've had one day in the 90s already and we're we're not far from every day in the 90s it'll it'll be probably another month before we hit that but it's it's coming so it's going to be lighter beer season okay yeah we've had a lot of uh you know when it hits about after freezing 32 degrees then that's when we start to grill just because it's finally you can get outside (laughs) you know and uh now we've had a couple 70 degree days this week so it's uh it's also lawn mowing season so Kick back, watch uh, some yeah. Masters, have a beer, you know, put on my... Yeah, I got, I got sod laying season over with last week, so I don't have to mow it for a while. Okay. <laughs> put on the Air Dads, the, the Air Monarchs, and and fire That's away exactly on right. the yard. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Scott Dockerman, thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Andy.